Savior we have. Amen. We can give him all the glory. It belongs to him. There is none like him. He'll break every fetter in your life. Set you free to serve him. I just um, received a text from Brother Timothy just a moment ago. He said, we just finished the meetings here in Uganda. God moved so powerful. The supernatural was visible. Many deliverances go into testimony service now, and God is awesome. He says, thank you for your prayers. And then we thank God for what he's doing, how he's working. You know, it was um, even people who were watching streaming from 200 kilometers away, and a little group that was gathered there, and uh, even there, the, the Spirit of God fell, and moved upon the people and you know it's just tremendous to see what God is doing as he's moving around the world and speaking to hearts and lives and bringing deliverance amen that's what we're looking for him this morning to bring deliverance in our lives to speak to us in a real and living way amen that for there to be healing and salvation and ever need Amen. Ever need supplied. So let's go to him right now in prayer and ask the Lord's blessings upon us today as we wait in his presence. Father, we love you. We thank you. We appreciate you for your goodness and your mercies and your grace, Lord. Asking, Father, that you would bless us now together as we look into the word today. Thank you for what you have done. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for the work that we hear that you did in Uganda and the the power of God that moved unto salvation and many deliverances that took place. I pray, Lord, that there would be today in our midst deliverance for your children. There are those that are bound with sicknesses, diseases, even cancer, that we were told by the angel of the Lord 
that nothing would stand before our prayers. We believe we're under that same commission. We believe the, the very mantle of Elijah comes upon Elisha. And Lord, we, we know who Elijah was. It was the spirit of Christ that was crying out in us in this day, to us in this day. So we know then again that spirit that must of Christ must continue to rest upon the bride. I ask, Lord, that there would be an anointing in this service that would break every yoke, for the anointing breaks the yoke. Lord, that you would move out across the, the airways to the different ones that are listening in, that have joined us, Lord, oh God, around the world. I pray you'd call your bride to the attention of the word, Lord, that they would, they would be enlightened. And, oh God, not just enlightened intellectually, but the light of God, the pillar of fire, would move down in the souls of men and women across the globe. Give us a refilling of the Holy Ghost, that dynamics it's promised. Lord, that would take the bride off the earth and the glory. We ask it in the name of Jesus. Be with Brother Timothy, Brother David Mayer. Will you give them strength? Lord, even as they will hear the reports of the meeting and then take a plane and, in the wee hours of our morning and, and, and leave and go back to France and then Brother Timothy travel back home. Lord, I pray that you'll be with them. Lord, that the angels of God will guard them, that you'll continue to keep them from sickness and disease, Lord, that, that they have come in contact with, that you'll be their healer and deliverer. We ask this not only for them, but for the bride around the world, even as we're facing icy conditions here in Louisiana, and the freeze has come in. Lord, I pray that you'll give us traveling mercies and grace today. We are yours. We're your children, and we surrender our lives and all we are to you. We're reporting for duty now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Amen. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 4, and we'll read from verse 1 this morning, Galatians 4 and verse 1. While you're turning, I just wanted to make a mention about the youth camp. If you're going to Louisiana camp, you were asked to sign up, and if you... If you will, please, while you're signing up for our youth, um, uh, the, as they sign up, and let, and let me say something about that. If you're worried about funds, we got it covered. It's taken care of. And, uh, you know, with, um, with the things that the Lord provided this past year, we have the funds to send you to Louisiana camp, pay your, um, your fee there. So if you uh, just sign up, if you're going... And uh, I know the Lord's going to move in a great way. Brother Ron Spencer uh, plans to be there, as well as uh, Brother Andrew Glover, Brother Danny Steeman. So we got a triple header coming up, and I know it'll be a dynamic trio. And the Lord will just move in a great way, so we're expecting the exceeding abundantly. But while you're signing up, if you will, also make a notation on whether you will not or will or will not be going to Ohio camp this year. Um, we we kind of got to know in advance uh, to make plans to to know uh, whether we will it'll be necessary to um, lease a bus or get a bus again this year or whether it be caravans we just have to see so if you'll kind of give us a heads up on that that will help if you don't know well just put a question mark but um, 
you know, if you plan to go, but you, you don't have every, all your ducks in a row, but that's your plans, well, please go ahead and, and uh, let us know that you're going also to the Ohio camp. That'll help me a bunch to make plans for the future. Amen. We, we love our young people, and we're thankful for, to the Lord for them, and, and we, we love that we can invest in them. Amen. To give unto the Lord and to give, um, uh, to, to be a blessing. Let me just tell you, you know, if you wind up missing the rapture, it ain't going to be my fault. Amen. I mean, you, you can sit here in a service, and whether you're old or young now, it doesn't matter whether you're old or young, you can sit in a service and, and you know, either receive or um, just let it go by you. you it's your choice. You know, what, what will you do with this Jesus called Christ? And so, you know, every service is that way. And so, you know, if the young people of this church, you know, don't, don't make or take advantage of what they are given. The wonderful youth service Friday night, Brother Aaron spoke marvelously on the church age book. And if you missed it, we'll go back and get it. You're responsible for it whether you heard it or not. That's, that's the way I feel about it. If God gives something across this pulpit, you're responsible for it whether you heard it or not. So you better go and hear it and listen to it. Catch up if you miss. Amen. And, and um, you know, because God is, has a word for you from, uh, for this church, for this area, and uh, I believe that it's important. I believe every service is important. And I believe we need to put everything that we have into it. And I'm thankful for a wonderful congregation that, my goodness, um, there's not much difference between Sunday morning and Wednesday night. Uh, you're here, you're faithful, you come, you're interested, you love the Lord, and you put into it. And some of you maybe can't come on Wednesday night. We understand that, travel or, or old age difficulties or whatever. But, you know, I know where your heart is. And I, I want you just to ever service, put your heart into the Word of God, into the message, and and be in prayer for, be in prayer for us and the ministry team here. We got many calls around the world, and we have to pray to say which door, Lord, do you want us to go into? So that's not just for me, but all all the ministry teams. So keep them in prayer, that the Lord will help us in these things. So Galatians chapter four, verse one. We will read together. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differed nothing from a servant, though he be Lord of all, but is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the father. Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time was come, I want you to notice the wording here, the fullness of time was come. There comes a time for the fullness of time for the Messiah to come. And, and so all of that was leading up, pushing, and, and pointing to that, that day, that hour. So, and the fullness of time was come. God sent his son made of a woman made under the law. So we come right here to the end of the Gentile age. And we're also coming to another uh, dispensation or an administration of the fullness of time, where the times of the Gentiles are quickly now um, finishing up. 
So we're right here again, like they were at the junction there. We are at another junction now. So when, when the, um, the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. Now, you may not even catch this, but you understand that when, as the church would die and fall away, they would actually go back under an Aaronic priesthood. I'm not, ta- I'm, I'm not talking about what was intended for the real church. I'm talking about what the church did. And they accepted law instead of grace. And so now then there would be seasons of restoration as God would bring it forth. But again, we come to this fullness of time for God to redeem them which were under the law, to pull us out from under the law of Gentile denominations and bring us back that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Let's simplify that just for a moment. Because you are sons, predestined for this hour, God has sent the Holy Ghost into your heart that makes you recognize you didn't come from a denomination somewhere. That's not your fatherhood of a denomination, but your fatherhood is of God, and you cry, Abba, Father. So he said, wherefore, now thou art no more a servant, but a son. Now, again, you was always a son, but this is a recognized son, placed, position, and authority. And if a son, then you're heir to everything that he has. Now, this is why God gives us an open book in this day is because we are now heirs of everything God has. Now, do you want to keep standing or do you want to sit? You can be seated. Let's turn to Romans 8 and verse 14. Because I'm already on a roll, so you can either stand or sit. Romans 8 and verse 14, we'll read from the next Verses of scripture. For as many as were led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. It is, it is what bears witness When he comes in your life, he gives testimony that you are a son of God. So he he bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs and heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so, that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. For I reckon that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. So there is a glory to be revealed in sons. I'm just pointing out some, some points in the scripture as we're going along. And which shall be revealed, um, this word is uh, apocalypse, which is the same thing as where we get the, the book of Revelation. It's apocalypse or apocalypse or revelation of Jesus Christ. So this is the revelation of sons. 
This is, this is what God is revealing in this day is sons. 2,000 years ago, when Jesus walked, he was revealing the Son of God. Today, he is revealing sons of God. That is a result of the Son of God coming. Now, because he came that he might bring many sons to glory. We'll get that in the scripture as we go along. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the revealing, again, the manifestation um, the apocalypse of the sons of God. So this again, uh, again showing you that there is the sons of God to be revealed are manifested, made known, plain. All right. So now we're going to speak today on the rise of adopted sons. The rise of adopted sons. Now, when we're speaking of adoption, We're talking about being placed or positioned as a son with authority. Now, you know, I I just want to explain that as we go along. You know, we're not talking about our predestination in this sense, you know, in this this moment. We're not talking about our predestination. We, We were always sons. But there come a point that we come to know we are sons. And that's when God puts his spirit in our hearts and bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. But when we're speaking of adoption, we're not even talking about adopting a, somebody's child that's not, not ours. That's what in our society, if we adopt a, a child, it's not our own. It belonged to somebody else. It was born as an orphan, you know, or perhaps could be even a grandchild that, uh, that uh, the family's estranged and broke up and whatever, and the grandparents may adopt it for insurance purposes or inheritance purposes or any kind of thing. But, but again, we're, we're, not, we're not talking about adopting a stranger's child. Adoption is not about taking the devil's children and making them children of God. Adoption is about bringing a people to maturity, to placing them as a, in authority. So this is going a whole different from our Western thought of adoption. Our Western thought, again, is taking somebody else's child, making them that of our own. This is taking a son and placing him in full authority over the inheritance. Now, if we would examine the scripture, there is not one example in the New Testament of Peter, James, John, or Paul, or anybody being filled with the Spirit and sometimes later adopted. Actually, when you receive the Holy Ghost, you receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. So it is not something that you get the Holy Ghost and later you grow into this and you are adopted. I've heard ministers down through time, you know, and I honestly secretly rolled my eyes at them as I heard it, you know. But I mean, uh, they're talking about adoption and and, um, you know, so a couple of the, this great teacher and his couple of his students sitting there talking to him, you know, he says, uh, um, you know, asked him, said, well, are you, you adopted? Well, I believe I am. 
And, and then they said, well, I think we are too. You know, that's total confusion. You know, again, adoption is something that was a ceremony that was made. And, you know, they, they took them to a high heel as it was and robed them in a special robe, put a ring on their finger. Nobody had to, uh, I sort of think I am. And when you get the Holy Ghost, it's no more, I sort of think I got it. But it's him placing you in the body and recognizing you as a son of God and giving you the authority over the devil. And I'm talking about, I'm talking to a bunch of kids. Uh, people who are in in this kingdom who have dominion now so you see when they were filled with the holy ghost in the book of acts they were placed in the body or positioned in christ and paul would say you're so exalted you're placed in heavenly places in christ jesus with every kind of spirit demon power underneath you Now, remember, the original church and the original outpouring is the pattern. That's why we go to the book of Acts for our pattern. And any true doctrine must fit that pattern. That's what the church was at Pentecost. It is the standard. That is the pattern. There is no other pattern. There is no, no matter what scholars say, God has not changed that pattern. What God did at Pentecost, he has to keep on doing until the church ages close. So again, if adoption is shown in the scripture, in the the book of Acts, as, as filling men with the Holy Ghost and empowering them, giving them authority to use his name, given them the, the robe of adoption, the Holy Ghost, given them, given them the position and the place of authority. If that was the pattern then, that has to be the pattern now. So good news. If you have the Holy Ghost, none of us have to go over and hide behind the corner from the devil and say, um, um, uh, just wait till I get adopted. I'll come back when I, when I get adopted, when I get this power, when I, when I, when I finally, when I finally achieve the position, you know, that I'm supposed to have this dominion, I'll come out and I'll fight you, but right now I've got to hide behind the corner. And what I want to see the church do is to realize who they are and get out of your corner and say, I am a blood-bought, blood-washed son or daughter of the living God able to take the authority of the word and resist the devil and he flees from me. No more hiding in the corner. No, no more behind the bushes. No more waiting on the third pull. The third pull is the opening of the word. It's here. Amen. No more waiting on a persecution to, 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 to give you power. It never gave power down to the, uh, the dark ages. It won't give you power now. You're not waiting on a squeeze. If you are, look around, you're in it. I don't know how much more you want. Amen. But you've been squeezed in every way that there is. So, so again, you know, you, but I, I want you to understand, you know, we are not waiting on something. 
we are the adopted place sons who have been called to rise in this hour to stand up, take our position, to take our place. Now, of course, you know, Brother Bannon would tell the Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, and Pentecostals said, you know, adoption's not your birth, it's your place, and you got to have something more. And I tell you, if you got your if you got your birth back there in some denomination somewhere, you need a genuine infilling of the Holy Ghost that washes you from the denominational horror system and places you in the body of Christ correctly so that you will know who you are in this hour. It's time for the bride to know who they are. Now, so as we, as we look on into this, I, I want just to kind of understand, you know, we, first of all, that we always were his sons. So we're going to deal with that just for a moment on sonship, that we were always his sons. But now, this is not, Adopted son. Adopted son is when you are placed in position and authority. This, of course, even when we were sin, in sin, we were sons of God. Let me just go to you today. If, as a believer, there's not been a day of your life that you wasn't a son of God or daughter of God. You never originally belonged to the devil. You are not the devil's child. Amen. You didn't come from him. You are a product of the spoken word. And that word came from a gene of God, the thought of God, before the foundation of the world. And you didn't just now become a son. You always were sons. We were his sons. Even when we were in sin, we were a son of God trying to be a sinner. It took an awakening where, where God recognized us as, as sons and therefore placed us in position in dominion as an heir of all his kingdom. As long as we were in sin, and if you'll take Galatians 3 and 4, you're seeing someone under the law, under the law of sin and death. And so as long as we were in sin, we differed nothing from a servant. So we, you know, yes, even a servant receives blessings and things like that. Every sinner there is receives blessings and cursings. But I mean, you know, we differed nothing from a servant. And in fact, we were slaves to sin, though potentially every promise of God was already ours. Jesus had paid for it all. Amen. And, and it, but it was unattainable because of sin. So we lived as slaves. We, bow, we were bound by the dictates of sin nature. We were like the eagle born in the chicken yard. We always were an eagle, but didn't know who we were. Wondered why we didn't fit in. A call in our hearts. If Brother Branham, if you would read the communion sermon, it would be good to do it. In the last sermon he preached, he told us, he says that, 
you know, I was like a boy, and he said, I'd sit by a log, and he said, I, I said, I burnt, I burnt a big fire here, little flower, where did you come from? And he would see things in nature, and he said, and he was wondering, you know, there has to be a God. He said, what was it? There was another William Branham on the inside that was wanting to be manifested. Now, you always were a sheep. You were never a pig or dog turned into a sheep. That's impossible because every, li- every kind of life produces the same kind and there's no change in species. You know, that's the law of God. Genesis 1, every seed after its kind. And we were in the thoughts of God and then we have been expressed in the flesh. And, but there had to come a day that we would hear his voice, the word. Now, Sometimes a predestinated seed can go a long time. A long time. Amen. I mean, Brother Branham met those beyond the curtain of time. I was past 90. I was past 90 when I gave my heart to the Lord, right there in your meetings. Took her 90 years. And finally, at the end of her journey, when it was almost over, here she finds the Lord. That's why we never give up hope on anybody. Because I don't know who the predestinated seed is. And the devil don't know. So no preacher can put you in or put you out. Or make you seed or non-seed. Or say you're serpent seed or whatever else. Come on. Only God knows. And it's his secret that he reveals to you personally. That's why in the book of Revelation that you receive, the overcomer receives a white stone with a new name written that no man knoweth but he that receives it. I look at you and I judge you by fruits and I say, yeah, that's a Christian. I know you by what I see externally. But this is a deal between you and God, not you and me and God. I can't put you out. No preacher can put you out. No preacher can put you in. Amen. I'm I'm glad that it's not in the hands of fickle men. Where somebody can decide our destiny. God's already decided. Ain't no preacher can decide it different. Ain't no cursor. The devil can decide it different. And the devil didn't know who the woman at the well was, but I wonder if he didn't have a little bit of suspicion. He covered her all with every kind of sin that you can imagine and religious sin, but there was a divine appointment for her life. Hallelujah. And one day God had a need to go by Samaria just like God had a need to send you a message to find you at the well. Hallelujah. And the devil had done everything he could to hide and cover up. Maybe he suspected it, but he didn't know. And he tried to cover you with every kind of sin and habit and evil and everything else so you couldn't believe. But the light of God broke through the darkness. The same one that said in the beginning, let there be light. Broke light upon a predestinated seed. And it came to life. So now, there had to come a day we would hear his voice, the word. 
And hearing that voice, we could recognize it was our Father calling. That's why I love the Lord's Prayer. He teaches us to position ourselves as we approach Him. Our Father. Our Father. In other words, you position yourself as a son. Our Father. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. What is that? A son position himself. Now, so again, we heard his voice. We cried out as, as did the prodigal son and said, Save me, O Father, for I'm perishing. I'm returning to you. Now, we know Jesus was the royal seed. He lived in a human body. When the Spirit called him, the word manifested thought. He went to Jordan and he was there baptized in the water. And upon obeying the word, the Holy Spirit came upon him and the voice said, This is my beloved son, hear ye him. And the voice did not say, This has become my son. But, it, but he, he, Jesus was the son and the Holy Ghost positioned him as that son. And, and, he, and then when he did, when he was filled with the Spirit, and of course, that pattern holds at Pentecost and ever after, he went and demonstrated power, receiving the full revelation of God and from God for that day. So, I mean, for, for imagine, you know, um, here Peter comes down out of the day of Pentecost and he says, um, I just, we've just been feeling what this is that which the prophet Joel spoke of. And he comes out and he says, you know, he looks at a, a man at the gate called beautiful. And he says, now, um, you know, I don't have any money, no silver or gold, but I've got to wait till I'm adopted before I can help you. That's not what he said. He said, such as I have. I've received power. I give to you. I've got something. I have been positioned and placed in authority over the devil that has you bound. And there I am going to apply what was given to me. I just got this power. Amen. I just got this power. I have the authority to use his name. He's not here anymore, but I'm his representative. He just came in the day on the day of Pentecost here and he's dwelling in me. And now with this authority, now with this ring over my finger, here is a son in trouble, bound by the devil. How much longer are we gonna let the son of Abraham be bound by this devil? Such as I have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. That was a son rising. To his position. That's what we're preaching about. The rise of adopted sons. You can see clearly that Jesus was positioned here at the Jordan River. After receiving the Holy Ghost, he then demonstrated the power. And Brother Branham says the same power are the same pattern holds at Pentecost and ever after. So what did the place in the positioning or the adoption? It was the Holy Ghost that did the placing. It is the adoption. 
We were always sons, but we were orphans. We were away from God. We were alienated because of our first birth, but we, yet we were sons. So the Holy Ghost baptizes you or adopts you back into the family. You, you know, when you, when you receive the Holy Ghost, you realize, I got a bigger family than I ever thought. I'm a brother to Peter, James, and John, and Paul. And I'm a son of the Most High God. I am his offspring. And as his offspring, I can do all things through Christ who lives in me, who strengthens me. So we all were always sons. The Holy Ghost adopts you back into the family. And this is, of course, exactly what will happen one day at the body change is your body will get what your soul has already received. I'm looking forward to that day. Amen. Now, so this is the pattern. The coming of the Holy Ghost is not, a, not as just a justified person, not as a sanctified person, not as a gifted person, but when, you're, when the person of Christ comes in, when you recognize and realize that you're a son of God, that is when your place, position, are adopted. In other words, made heir to every promise of God. Upon receiving the Spirit, you now have checkbook authority. I hope you're writing some checks out. Or have you forgot what's in the bank account? Amen. Before I could make promises to pay the, the, the young people's fees for Louisiana camp here for the, from this church, I had to go check the bank account. I had to see what was in the account for it. Well, there was enough to cover it. Are you with me? I'll tell you what, if you'll write out a check on any promise of God, come on, there's enough deposit where Jesus paid it all and he left enough for every generation. He left enough, oh my, to even bring a crescendo and bring up the dead in Christ for 2,000 ages, for 2,000 years. He left enough. So he gives you checkbook authority, the right to act in his name and in his stead. Now, you may have believed on the Lord at justification and received forgiveness of sins. And so did the church in the first stage of restoration as a blade of wheat during the Lutheran age. That was the life. That was the... The, the baptism or the portion of spirit for that day. Brother Branham would explain it like this. He said, we've had been under the Son of God dispensation for throughout the church ages, but now we return to Son of Man. It just simply means the fullness of Christ has come. They had portions down to the ages, but now is the day of his fullness. Now, you may have been purged and cleansed at sanctification, and so did the church in the second stage of restoration as the pollen of the tassel during the Westland age. That was the life. That was the baptism of the Spirit for that day. And they shouted and they were slain in the Spirit as the Holy Ghost was poured out. 
and it sealed them in for their day, for their hour. It was the word for their day. That's, that's all that was given. It was another portion of the Spirit. Again, you may have received gifts of the Spirit, and, and so did the church in the third stage of restoration. Hey, you know, that, that was the life, the baptism of the, of the Spirit for that day. And, and they too, they shouted, they danced in the aisles, they spoke, spoke with tongues. You know, as I said, that was a life, that was the baptism of the Spirit for that day. It was the portion poured out. For he says, in the last days, speaking of 2,000 years, I will pour out my spirit, saith the Lord. So God would pour out a portion of it in a dip or a little bit in Luther, and they would be justified for it. They would, a little more with, with Wesley, and they would be sanctified by it. And uh, a little more at Azusa Street, and they would be filled with the Spirit for their time, their day, and have gifts of the Spirit that they would manifest. And it was wonderful. And it's not to be criticized, ridiculed, cast, cast down, no more than justification or sanctification. But that's not where we are today. We are in the fourth stage of restoration where the bride becomes the church she was at Pentecost. In other words, we receive the very life, the person of Christ. In other words, the original seed. And yes, as the Spirit falls, we might speak in tongues. We might shout. We might be slain in the Spirit. We might dance the aisles. But in this fourth stage of restoration is where God recognizes us as full, mature sons and an heir to all things. That's why the lamb takes the book and gives it to a man and a man sends it where? Down to the earth. So you see the mighty angel coming down in Revelation 10.1, the mighty angel descending with an open book. Why? For you to take it and eat it and become one with it. it because now, every, I, now he can give it to a fully redeemed son. So, you know, there's some things. You, you can have a son. And, I, you know, my son, my son Timothy... When he was five years old, we was out together and, and cutting with a chainsaw and sawing up wood and for, the, for a fire. And, and, and I had him picking up logs, small ones, you know, that he could carry. But that wasn't good enough for Timothy. He wanted a chainsaw. You know, he didn't want to do this. He wanted the chainsaw. He wanted to be the man. And you know, let me explain it this way. He was a son, but he had to come to maturity. Where I gladly say, son, take the chainsaw. Well, I really don't even have to tell him. He knows what to do. Come on. Amen. He knows exactly what I want done, and, and I, don't have to, I don't have to tell him anything. Really, he knows the will of the Father, and he does it. 
Now, the same thing comes now, we, you know, there again, we talk about a bride age. A bride age is simply the time the bride comes to maturity. Same thing as an adopted son, where they come to full maturity. You could not marry her a five-year-old. Couldn't marry her as a Lutheran. Couldn't take her in a wedding. Come on, couldn't take a rapture with a Trinitarian baptism and, and a confused doctrine. Somebody help me preach. And I couldn't do it in Wesley. Couldn't do it in Pentecost. But the day is ours. It's different now. Amen, because now God has called out a bride of people for his namesake and she is mature enough to become impregnated with the word and bring forth Christ to this generation. And that ought to make every one of you shout. Because what a day you're living in. This is the fourth stage of restoration where God recognizes as his sons and heir to all things and we are robed with his spirit his ring of identification signifying our authority. His authority is on our finger and we are positioned as sons and whatever we bind, he binds. And whatever we loose, he looses. Welcome to the age of mature sons. Welcome to the bride age, an elect lady ready for rapture. Restoration is typed with the wheat plant, first stage justification, the blade, second stage sanctification, the pollen, third stage restoration of gifts, chuck, fourth stage grain again. So the cycle of the church goes from grain to grain, from seed to harvest. We are predestined church, and the destiny is a harvest rapture. Remember, I took you last week on our first service, a New Year's service. Those of you who were here, those of you that wasn't here, you're responsible for it anyway. You should have listened to it. But I, I took you and gave a kind of a, a, a state of the church address and talked about the stage of the journey where we were in. And as I told you, we, the road ends at the end of this Laodicean age. The road abruptly ends. And the Gentile dispensation is over. And you, you know, from there goes into total chaos, into, into the, uh, where Satan comes down, the bottomless pit comes on the earth. Everything else is, it shakes all around this, the, those that are Christians that are left here, the church goes to a horrible tribulation to their death. So does the 144,000. But at the end of this road, the only way out is an ascension. So that's why I'm speaking on the rise or the ascension of adopted sons. Because we are at the point of ascension. Stop just a minute. It comes to my mind. Do you know originally the original um, uh, pyramid of, of Enoch? It was, it was not to be a tomb. It was to be a place of ascension. That when you get to the top, the capstone, 
that is the age of the people taking an ascension. You reach the apex, the height, and from there is a meeting in the air. But the Egyptians and those afterwards made it into tombs. Now, God has given a place of ascension, but denominations have made it into tombs. But that doesn't take away from where God has brought us. We are here at the coming of the capstone where he that is the, the, media, the, the one from, from the air, Christ himself, will come and join with this church and take her in a rapture. So now we are here, a predestined church, and our destiny is the harvest rapture. And we must, somebody say must, ascend from here. We cannot perpetuate another church age. Now, so if you go with me to Ephesians 4, 1 and 4, I'm going to just show you his glory plans. Ephesians 1 and 4. According as he had chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Sounds wonderful, doesn't it? But we read it way too fast. There's so much in this. First of all, this is his glory plans. The plans of glory that I have for you. I know the plans I have for you. And Brother Branham in the message, Desperation, quotes this. You, we all know that. I mean, it's a famous scripture today. Everybody quotes it. You know, that, that we, I know the plans that God has for you. They are peace and not of evil to bring you an expected end. And Brother Branham said, back to Pentecost. And of course, he's not talking about Azusa Street. He's talking about back to the original seed. So again, again, the plans of glory. I know the plans I have for you. So God had plans for you. He planned out your life, your time, your coming to be right here at this hour, this day. You, you were not fitted for another age. You were fitted and called and placed for this age. God in his great thinking, when he laid out his plan, he chose you for this day. You wouldn't have fit well in other ages. You know, his plans of glory, you are, and, and notice here, I, I just want you to see he chose you uh, before the foundation of the world, but you are right now here in time. But he tells you, you had an eternal quality because you were chosen in him before the foundation of the world. But now you're here in time. And in time, you were not born holy. In time, you were not blameless. But before the devil got a hold of you, you were in him. You were his first. And he had plans for you to be holy. Hallelujah. This is what he had for the woman at the well. She wasn't born holy. She didn't live holy. She wasn't blameless. But he had plans for her. God had plans for you. You might be the only one in your family that even believes, but God had plans for you. 
Hallelujah. Before the devil ever got a hold of you, you were in him and he had plans for him, for her, for this one, that one, to be holy and without blame. Before him. Oh, don't even think about being blameless before the devil. He'll always accuse you of your past, but there's no future in your past. Amen. Your future lays ahead. Glory to God. I want to just say there's clear streams laying ahead for you. Walk in them. But before the devil got a hold of you, you were in him and his plans for you were to be holy. You were not blameless. You were a dirty, rotten, impoverished sinner, a slave to sin, but he had glory plans for you. I said he had glory plans. Plans to bring you to glory. I'm not talking about just heaven. I'm talking about glorify you as a son of God to make you, position you with power and authority. Ephesians 1 and 5 says, Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children. Notice what he says, to the praise of his glory, to the glory of his grace. That's next verse, verse 6. And to the praise, so he predestinated us to adoption, to what? To the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted. Somebody say accepted. Accepted where? Who is the beloved? Christ. So you, when he was accepted, you were accepted. Go back to the Old Testament when you, when you had brought a lamb. You know, the priest would not look to see if you were blameless. The priest would look at your lamb. And the lamb had to be without blemish. So he would examine the lamb. And if the lamb was accepted, you were accepted. What about our lamb? Even Pilate said, I find no fault in him. Come on, somebody. Amen. So if he was accepted, you are accepted. And if he was accepted in the glory, in the heaven, you have already been accepted. And by the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you have a token, a ticket to the rapture, and you can't miss it. Hallelujah. So he predestinated you to what? The praise of his glory as an adopted son to the glory, praise of the glory of his grace. And he has accepted you in the beloved. And you are without blemish before him, not before the devil, not before your peers, not before what the world saw about you and how you lived in the past, not any of that, not even how you view yourself. And how you beat yourself up every day. Come on. But how God views you. You are accepted in him. He, when, listen, the difference between justification, sanctification, gifts of the spirit, and the true baptism of the Holy Ghost is there you are accepting Christ. But here 
with the token is Christ accepting you. Bearing witness that you are his offspring. Now, so let's talk about this for a moment. The Bible says in Hebrews 2 and 10 that by whom are all things and bring in many sons into glory. So many sons is what he's bringing into glory. So not just, not just himself, but he came to do what? To bring you into glory. Many sons. God wanted a family. Amen. Now, so his glory plans include uh, Romans 8, 29, for whom he did foreknow, them he also did predestinate to be made like, conformed to the image of his son. I ain't there yet, Brother Tim. Well, he made you. That's your destiny. That's your destiny. It may not be where you're at, but that's your destiny. Come on, put on your shoes and travel toward it. Take another step toward it. So I ain't there, there, there yet, Brother Tim, but he predestined. He set my destiny to be changed, conformed to the very image of Christ. That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. You see, this is a... this. This is the very glory plans of God. The first thing that came out of the invisible God was the Logos. Before there, he dwelt alone and in and by himself. He was the lonely God. There was nothing, not a star, not an angel, not nothing. It was all nothingness but him, and he was invisible. How long he was there, we don't know, because you can't measure eternity by time. But one day, something totally forever changed. He said, let there be light. And out of him came the Logos. And and there, that Logos, that word now was in a more visible form, veiled by a pillar of fire. And we could call it in some way the Son of God because it was an offspring out of the invisible God. So as we look at him here for a moment, it was the word. It was the eternal spirit. and In him was life. And the power to give life. And to bring forth life. And guess what? In him was you. In him was you. Now he couldn't see you yet. No more you could see you and your great-grandfather, but you were there. Amen. You were there. And it comes a time of manifestation. And God chose this age and this time for your time of manifestation. Are you with me? So in in him was you. And when he was chosen for manifestation, you were chosen. And we were spirits, as it were, within his spirit. Now, we were not separated from him yet, so we were all a part of the great, and, uh, the great Logos Word of God. So we were in his thoughts before it became Word. Because it has to become Word before it becomes flesh. 
So God reproduces like this. He, it comes from his gene, his thought, to word, to flesh. Now, Brother Branham in the message, Serpent Seed, in his prayer said, Dear God, the great and mighty God who formed all things by the power of his spirit um, and has brought Jesus Christ, his only begotten son, who freely died for we sinners, the just for the unjust, to reconcile us back into this marvelous fellowship that we have again with God. And we're taught in the blessed word that we had fellowship with him before the foundation of the world when the morning stars sang together and the sons of God shouted for joy way back before the foundation of the world. And then he says, how do we know that it wasn't at the same time when the lamb was slain that when God in his great thinking seen us shouting and rejoicing in our salvation through Jesus? Amen. So now, if you think about it, we did not pre-exist in the soul. We did not pre-exist outside of him. We were in him. We were a thought of his. We were a gene of God of his. And, and so now, but in his great thinking, already he knew what his glory plans would be and that he would have a universe, a world, stars, and he'd fling them out from side to side. He'd make an earth. And he says, on this earth, I'm going to bring up life. And out of this life, I'm going to bring it up to the top of of it all, which will be a man. And I'm going to put myself in that man. And so... But he knew in order to express all that he was, because he was healer, savior, deliverer. He had all these great attributes within himself. And they, they were, these attributes were to be expressed, but they couldn't express, be expressed with man in a perfect condition. Right? You didn't need a healer. Didn't need a savior. Didn't know what it meant to be lost. So God places on the basis of choice and set two trees before us knowing that we would choose wrong. Amen. Because man left himself will always choose wrong. So, you know, here again, man would make the wrong choice, but God even knew when making that choice that he would be, he would become the lamb that would be slain for their sin and in doing so express himself as healer, savior, deliverer, and all the attributes of what he is. All of God's great attributes would be expressed. Now, he couldn't make man fall and be just. So, because he's an image of God, he sets him on the basis of choice. He's not a robot. And he sets two trees before them. And they have a word of temptation. And Satan comes and tempts. And there's a fall. And from through the fall, now there's going to come a redeemer. To do what? To bring us back 
to God again. To bring us to the age of where we're at. This has been his aim. This has been his purpose. This has been his glory plans from the beginning to bring a people back to Eden again. And we are right here on the cusp of Eden, right at the point where the ages end and we ascend. Now, again, Brother Branham says, you know, who were these sons that was shouting before joy, before, for joy? Jesus told them, I had joy with you before the foundation of the world. We are not creatures of time. We are creatures of eternity. No man comes to me except my father draws him. All that comes to me, I will give them eternal life and raise him up in the last day. And no one can pluck them from the father's hand. He gives them to me. How are you going to lose? See, you're scared. You're afraid. You'll run around here. And, of course, that's one of the best evidence in the world that you haven't been nowhere yet. But I tell you, if you ever get adopted, positioned in Christ, then you will know that he had joy with you before the foundation of the world and you were chosen in him. Amen. Now, he said then, the Bible said that we were predestined to, to the sons of God and adoptions of sons before the foundation of the world. Then when God slayed the lamb in his own thinking before the foundation of the world to prove out his attributes, what he was, when the lamb was slain, we were slain with it. <laughs> That's what Brother Branham would say. When he died at Calvary, you paid for your sins in him. Because he was the fullness of the word, and that's who you are. You're part of him, part of that word. Hallelujah. So you, you're worried about having to pay for your sins and pay for your past. You paid for it in Christ. But not only that, when he rose, you rose. When he ascended, he ascended. When he went to hell, you went to hell. And you rose up and conquered hell then, and you'll conquer hell now. Because if you conquered hell back there in him, that same word living in you will conquer hell. Bring it on, devil. Bring on Satan's evening. You'll not take this bride down. She will not fall. So when the blood of the lamb was caught in his own mind back there before the foundation of the world. Mine and your names were written on the book of the book then. Hallelujah. God knew you were coming. Placed you in the family album. Put your picture in there. Of you at your best. Not crippled, old, halt, maimed, blind, sinner, but at your best, you've never been your best. Hallelujah, you have never been your best. Oh, brother, sister, this morning, whoever you are, young people, you have never been your best. But we are aiming toward our best. We are moving toward our best. What is our best? That picture that God had in his mind of you, perfect and complete in him before the foundation of the world. And he looks in that family album and he says, Joshua Butts, an overcomer in Satan's Eden 
he would not let the devil have victory over him. He shouted and rejoiced in my salvation. And now Joshua is here in time doing what he did in eternity. In God's mind. So Brother Bradham said, creeds does not satisfy a hungry heart. Creeds won't satisfy. If a man's hungering for God, you tell him, say the Apostles' Creed, join the church, put your name on here or be sprinkled or immersed, and whatever you want to, that'll never satisfy a hungry heart because they were predestined to search for life. And they were once the angels. They were once an angel who did not fall. Two-thirds of the angels fell. And those, those evil spirits working among the people, very religious. You know, the Bible says that you were not just always right here. You were once somewhere else. So you were once a part of that eternal spirit within him that he saw before the world that would not believe Satan's lie. And just as he saw Jesus as the lamb slain before the foundation of the world, he saw you in Laodicea when everybody else is lukewarm, cold, and formal, and powerless. He saw you as a son or a daughter of God shouting for joy and rejoicing because you have seen your name in the book. You have seen you're part of this word. You're part of the promise of the hour. And you can look at it as looking into a mirror and say, Mama, that's me. Now, you did not pre-exist as a soul, but you were a seed gene that was in God before the body of Jesus was ever formed. And Christ was a lamb slain before the foundation of the world, and you were in him as a spirit gene. And as Jesus was slain in God's thinking, but in time, it was 2,000 years ago in Calvary, but before the foundation of the world, he was already the lamb slain. Stop for a minute. Let's make a point here. What's first, sin or the Savior? So before you did any sin, Before you must up your life, he was already the Savior and atoned for it. Come on. Amen. Because the Savior was before the sin. And you, you were in Christ and you were chosen and your destiny was set. And you came here predestinated to search for life. And in God's great thinking, he saw you right here in time turning down the devil's lie. And the devil's lie is no little thing. The whole world is being deceived. Read the Bible. It ain't a few people in a little cult as they want to claim us. It's the whole world is going into deception. We were those sons that were in his mind. We were victorious over Satan's lies, shouting for the joy, for the victory that we have in Jesus. So he saw us in time. You know, sometimes people want to scorn our shouting. Or the devil wants to make fun of our rejoicing. But I want you to know that's what he saw me doing. 
He didn't see me in a morgue, dead, cold, and formal, and powerless. He saw me shouting in victory. Hallelujah. He saw me rejoicing. He saw me shouting the victory. I am a son. I am blood washed. I am blood bought. I'm his child. I'm born of him. And that, my friend, is something to shout about. So, well, I'll tell you what, these young people get down there and they go to shouting. Well, why? Because they saw their name in the book. They realized they heard from him. They received a spirit. He bore witness that they were sons of God. That's something to shout about. And if you would get it, you'd shout too. Our names were written in the book of life before the foundation of the world, and there is nothing, somebody say nothing, can separate us from his love. Nothing in our past made us unlovable. Not so unlovable that he wouldn't save us. Nothing in our future can make us unlovable. We are sons who were predestined to adoption. And that means to be placed in position as full authority as sons. This age is the appearing of sons. It's mature sons, placed sons, positioned with power and authority. Now, I am telling you today that other ages receive their portion. But this is a different day. This is the dispensation of the fullness and it is, a, it is the fullness of times. The times of pouring out portions is over. This is where he pours out his fullness. This is not where you get a gift of the Spirit or a justification or forgiveness of sins or ju- just only that. But this is more than that. This is the age of the fullness. It is the age of adoption where the full power of the Holy Ghost has produced sons. Other ages certainly had sons, but not adopted sons. Not sons who were heir of all things, who were robed with power and authority. The Bible said of him, he hath anointed him above his fellows. He has also anointed the people of this age above their fellows. You see, because this is the coming of Christ now in bride form. Now, I know we looked for Jesus to come, uh, you know, uh, many years ago, 60 years ago, perhaps when, when uh, the seals were open or wh- wherever you want to place it. And, and people looked for his return, 77, all, all kinds of different times and whatever. But I want you to understand, we got to see where his coming is, Because if you miss this part of his coming, you miss everything. Sure, the world is looking for the meeting in the air where they'll point to the sky and, you know, they imagine it with train wrecks and pilotless cars and and, and, and holes in the ceiling and everything else as the world breaks into pandemonium. And, 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 you know, they, they have it all figured out of the way it will be when Jesus comes and their eye is on that. 
But unless you see this, you won't see that. And what is this that I'm talking about? It is the bride coming of Christ. It's where Christ comes in bride form. 2,000 years ago, he walked the earth in groom form. But today, he comes again as son of man to walk and reveal himself in bride form. Are you with me? And son of man means the fullness, not portion. Now, there again, it means God, the fullness of God in flesh. Now, not in one person. That happened in Christ. So Christ was the fullness of the Godhead bodily, but you collectively and the bride around the world make up the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Because Christ is here in a body, not his nail-scarred body, not walking down the aisles in the form of Jesus, but here in the presence of his Holy Spirit living in you. So, again, this is when God takes on dust. You're the dust that God has chosen. Back maybe 4,000 years ago in the days of Abraham, God would have to create himself a body. Because the body, the man's body was, was not redeemed. The blood had not been shed. And God would not, would not come in tabernacle in human beings. The spirit would lift and go, lift and go, lift and go upon the prophets and down through. And in that sense, they had the indwelling spirit, but not like on the day of Pentecost. The spirit had not yet been given. So God couldn't come down in his fullness and come dwell in a man. So he creates him a body. Takes the 16 elements and steps into it. Somebody with me? But now since Calvary, the blood has been shed. And the, and the earth has been redeemed by the blood. And God paid for your sins there at Calvary. And through the baptism of the Holy Ghost, he has blood washed you. Where that this earth can contain the almighty God in portion. And those portions make up his body around the world. So this is when he now again takes on flesh. This is the fourth stage of restoration where it comes back to wheat, grain, exactly what they had on the day of Pentecost. Now, so here that this is, This is there that I want to point out today. He has anointed you above the ages so that they are not complete or made perfect without us. Unless we rise, they stay in the grave. They cannot, somebody help me, they cannot rise from the grave. There will be no resurrection until the bride comes to the place of ascension. They are waiting on you, my friend. 
to finish your journey. The rapture is waiting on you. Take another step toward your theophany. Now through the prophet messenger and the indwelling spirit, we have been restored back to being the word. Amen. Therefore, the very works of Christ is being produced in a body. Oh my, what a day for sons of God to rise on the scene as prophesied, therefore predestined for this age and for this time. And here we are to fulfill the New Testament. So now, if we would take and we would look back in the Old Testament, we would see that Jesus was the fullness of the prophet, the Psalms, the wisdom of Solomon, and all of the Bible was all manifested in that one man, Jesus Christ. And God has ordained for the New Testament, for all of the word that is in the New Covenant, the New Testament, to be manifested now in bride form. To be here, for Christ to be here in bride form to finish his work. Now, Brother Bradham tells us, and pick up your pen and write, he did not complete all his work while he was here, so he is going to complete his work in his bride body. So you got a work to do. You must rise to the occasion. Not just go around toting your, your, your fancy robe around and showing your pretty ring off and, and letting devils run over the land. You have a responsibility to take the word and press it to the heart of the enemy. So you see, what a day for sons of God to, to rise and, and we are fulfilling the New Testament. And I want to say, I want to say and I want to echo the words of John the Baptist. I want to, I want to say, behold. Anybody know what that meant? Look. Look. Everybody look. The Lamb's wife. Hallelujah. Do you hear what I'm talking about? Amen. I did this again. The forerunner of this last day, he said his job was to forerun the coming word, which is Christ. And he said his John pointed out and said, behold the Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world. He said, so will this forerunner point to a word born bride. So when you talk about forerunning, Brother Brandon was your forerunner. And if it was that great in the forerunner, how great should it be in the bride of Christ? Brother Branham announced your coming. His job was to say, to say, look, the lamb's wife. The marriage of the lamb has come. There's a bride now. Couldn't do it in Luther's age. She was five years old. Couldn't do it in Wesley's age. She was 11. Couldn't take it in Pentecost. She was just a teeny bopper. Come on. But today, he sent a word to mature a bride, an elect lady, 
a light, the fourth light that brings on the grain. Is somebody with me? Amen. So again, you see, we are the bride in, because it is the fourth stage of restoration. It's the wheat grain age. Exactly the same church that was planted at the beginning manifested in the form it was at the beginning. Because it was seed then and seed now. But this seed was predestined to go in the ground so that there would be many. So it's planted and it comes up as Luther, Wesley, Blade, Stock, Tossel, Shuck to grain again. So we have completed the cycle. We're no more Shuck. We're no more Tossel. Where all the life that was there is now in us. All the life comes into the grain for the end time harvest. For a people of, in the last day, the people of the book. The people of the inheritance. The people who are the sons who he is handing the book to. Now, so when Jesus was upon the earth, he said, Believest thou that I'm in the Father, the Father in me? The words that I speak, I speak to you, I speak not of myself. But the Father dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. You and I know that. Humanly, we couldn't do nothing. No more, I mean, there, there was, we couldn't heal Alana Butts and cast out her cancer. No human can do that. That was God. The healings that we, we could talk about of, of little Drew, of, uh, of Jude Oglesby, of, of Justin Ware, of, uh, you know, Philip Roncalli. I, we, we could just go naming, 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 naming. Well, just raise up your hand. I'm talking about you miracles. Raise up your hand. They're all over this building. You're God's miracle. Amen. And he said, so it wasn't us that did the work. We couldn't give you the Holy Ghost, young people. God did that. It's not a man. It's of God. Healing's not a man. It's of God. It's not of a church as far as a, a little society of a group of people in Louisiana. It's a bride worldwide. So he says, it's not me that doeth my work, the works of Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the work. That's John 14, 10. So this is a perfect manifestation of God in the Son was by the indwelling Spirit manifested in word and works. If I don't get through with this today and don't look like I'm going to. But, I, you know, I, I want to get down to, you know, of, of this word bride as the adopted sons. So, you know, uh, again, you know, uh, I'm just telling you where I'm going and what, what I plan to speak, but I don't care. You other preachers, you can preach it all you want to. I'm going to preach it anyway, so you can preach my material now or later. It's yours, too. I, I have no copyright on none of it. I'm thankful you can give inspiration to others. You can inspire others. 
But again, you know, that, that when the bride, as Brother Branham said, and I quote it, when the bride gets back to being a word bride, that's what we're talking about. When the bride gets back to be a word bride, that's an adopted son. She will produce the very works that Jesus produced. So the token today is the Holy Ghost. It's, it's not an Azusa Street anointing or is it a baptism on the flesh or the human spirit. But instead it's the literal life of Christ returning back upon the believer. It's exactly what they received in the early church in Acts 2. They did not receive a gift. They received a person, which was God's gift. It was the person of Christ returning in spirit form. Now, there are many people that will reach up and get a gift from God. That's charisma. So, again, charisma. Right? Right, Chris. That's it. A gift. And when you get tongues, you got a gift. You didn't get a person. You got a gift. Hope Aaron don't need these glasses yet, but I'm gonna give him a gift. Put them on and see if you can read better. <laughs> Try them on. Try my gift on. Oh, man, I'll tell you what. He's looking awful sharp. <laughs> you just thought he was a nerd Friday night, student and man, teacher of that church age book and whatever. Now look. Here he is. <laughs> he has a gift. Did he get me? No. no. He got my gift. You can get tongues, you can get a shout, you can get a dance, you can get emotion, but that's not me. That's not even God. It might be from God, but it is not God. And we rejoice in the gift. We don't dishonor the gift. We don't discard the gift. We are thankful for the gift, but it's not God. But when he came on the day of Pentecost, he did not come as a gift. He came as Doria, which is the the gift of the Holy Ghost or the person himself. And that is what has returned. God gave a gift of justification and a gift of sanctification and a gift of the baptism of the Holy Ghost where they spoke in tongues. But today, he's not given a gift. He's given himself to come and dwell in a people, which is the same thing they had in the book of Acts. Now, so, God, in this day, in this hour where wrath is about to strike, trouble's on every hand, Israel's in a fight for its life, America is firing its bombs at rebels, Russia's threatening the world, and China's threatening to take over more of the world, and, and coming around, bluffing its way, you know, it's, it's a time where the wrath is about to be poured out from on high. Your future in this nation and this world is very, very dim. 
Well, I'll tell you, you know, as Brother Josh preached, you know, the Lord don't come till I'm married and, or till I drive and till I'm married. And, you know, the Lord don't come till then. Let me just, let me tell you, we're out of time. Some of you may not get your license. Some of you may not get married. Don't worry about it. You'll have your mate there. And you'll drive something better than a car over there. You'll, you'll travel like a thought. You'll so outpace a car, you won't even think about an old rusty bucket. Hello. We're in the end time. And in this time, the wrath is about to strike and we can see the shadows appearing. And in this moment, God is requiring a token that you yourself have received the Holy Ghost. It's the only way, it's the only sign that God will ever pass because it is the literal life of Jesus Christ. Amen. It's not receiving a jump. Well, I tell you, I got so happy I jumped. Well, so did they in the Methodist age. And it was great and it was wonderful. And it was an outpouring of the Spirit. And we don't kick it and we don't spit on it. And we don't laugh at it and we don't scoff at it. We honor that. We're thankful for it. But did you get the person? Did his life come into you? Did it change your nature? Did it make you a new creature? Well, if not, we'll get another portion until the fullness comes. Amen. And you said, well, I got it, Brother Tim. Well, he said the, the dynamics of this church would be a refilling of the Holy Ghost which we have worked in a small measure as the headstone come down to unite with the body. But when the headstone comes down to full power, the Holy Ghost will lift her up. I, I'm ready for another outpouring. I got room. Don't you have room in your life? Amen. We ought to have room. As sons, oh God, pour out your spirit. A fresh anointing on my life. A new awakening within me. A realization of what you want done with your word and me to go fulfill it. It is the literal life of Jesus Christ returned back into the believer. This did not happen back yonder with gifts in the, in the dispensation of Son of God, Spirit God poured out. But this comes now in the dispensation of the fullness of times when God comes manifested in bride body. When the fullness of God is manifested once again on the earth like it was 2,000 years ago. But this time not in one person, but many sons. Amen. Now, so this is the token age. It is the age of the personal life. You see, the church in this day has received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That blood has been shed and the Holy Ghost is upon the church. And without us, they cannot raise, but they're dependent on us. This is from the token message. For God promised he would have it and somebody's going to be there. That's what I'm counting on. Somebody's going to do it. There's going to be rise of sons and somebody's going to rise to the occasion. Might as well be me. I remember years ago when I took my son, Tim Winters, and a few others, boys there, 
you know, down, and, and we had went to a little camp, a youth camp there in Ohio and come back through by Brother Branham's grave. And, and uh, I took them by, you know, went by the, off the interstate on the way home and just dropped by there and, and went there to Brother Branham's grave and we stood around it. And I looked at all them young men. Some of them not at all serving the Lord today. I stood there and I looked at their grave and I said, boys, young men, right here lays a prophet of God. They put his body to rest. He brought a message and somebody's going to believe it and it might as well be me. Timothy and Tim Winters took that from themselves. The other boys, they throwed it off their, over their shoulders. But I tell you what, it meant something to me. Amen. Amen. It might as well be me. Come on. Amen. I don't know who it's going to be, but somebody's going to receive it. Amen. And there ought to be a bunch of you this morning say, that's me. Yes. That's me. Yes. I'm not going to go down with this world. I'm going up. Part of this fiction. I'm not a part of the fall. I'm part of rising. I'm rising up. I'm not falling. I'm not a part of the fallen world. I'm part of the rising stars. Well, rise, morning stars, and announce is coming. Let him shine on you and shine forth the glory of God. Says the only thing I'm responsible is to preach it. God's business to look out for that predestinated seed. But there is going to be there, though, because they're going to be there, each one of them, one with the other, the water age, the blood age, and now the token age of the Holy Ghost. So we have come now from the water age and the blood age to the token age. You see... There was all parts of the Passover. Part of it was choosing a lamb. Part of it was examining the lamb. Part of it was keeping up the lamb. You know, uh, judging him without blemish and so on. But then there come a time that the lamb's blood had to be applied. So we had, down through the ages, we've had them, you know, this is the Lamb of God. Oh, to the Lamb of God. He's without blemish. He's the wonderful Lamb of God. They're examining the Lamb, and they preach sermons about the Lamb and His blood and what it will do and how it is. But there comes a time that the blood must be applied. That's our age. We're no longer keeping up the Lamb and talking about, you know, and examining the Lamb. We're now applying the life. Are you with me now? So you see, it's the age of life. Brother Branham calls it in the How Can I Overcome? The age of life, personal life of Christ, where the chemical of his body, what was in him, in him first under justification, water baptism, second under new birth of Wesley, sanctification, which cleanses, thirdly under the baptism of the Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit putting that sanctified into service. But... And, and the word sanctified is a compound Greek word which means cleanse and set aside for service, set aside for service. Now the Holy Spirit puts in service. So this is the age of adoption where he puts 
the people of God into service. This is not like the Azusa baptism at all, who still needed adoption. You can't get adopted out there. You can't get placed. This is the the token is the adoption, and anyone who receives a token has the adoption robe of the Spirit. Has the ring of his identification, the authority on their finger, and they are placed into the kingdom to do the Father's business. As Brother Branham said in the Shreveport series of the token, he said, we have the token in this day. We've been given a token, which is an antitype of that type, of that natural token. We have been given the supernatural supreme token. Wow, that's a mouthful. Don't pass over it. Supernatural supreme token. This outclasses all other signs. They had signs of shouting in Methodist. They had signs of speaking in tongues in, in, in Pentecost, Azusa Street. But we have been given the supernatural supreme sign, token. And he says, he said, all that has been foreshadowed has been given to this generation. So we're justified like the Luthers, sanctified like the Wesleyans. We we are to have all the gifts of the Spirit like Azusa Street, except with all the confusion and nonsense that went with it, and Satan working among them. But all of the promises of God. Somebody with me? And, but the Holy Spirit for this age is our token. It's the identification that we've accepted the death of the Lamb. Not only was Jesus just a human life to come back on us, but it was God himself manifested in the flesh. So what are you saying there? It wasn't the human life of Jesus that came back on us. It was the life of God himself that came back upon us. God, that brought back upon us the adoption of sons. That now we are the sons of God. That's the token. That's the sign of this age. Amen. That now we don't just have tongue speakers or shouters or justified people. We have what? Adopted sons of God that are sons and daughters of God. That's the token. It's our identification of the Passover. It's identification that we have believed God and God has accepted us. So the token is the adoption. That's why this is the adoption message. It's the capstone for the believer. That makes the believer messiahs, filled with the pillar of fire, placing them as sons and putting them into service. This did not happen under the Azusa revival. Yeah, they manifested gifts of the Spirit under the anointing of the Spirit. But this is the token age where the life of Christ must be on display. And here we are. Sons, arriving on the scene in Satan's Eden, just like 2,000 years ago, behold, look, the lamb, amen, what have we got again? Another lamb. What? Species must marry species, kind after kind. If he's the Lamb of God, amen, we are the Lamb's wife. 
we also had to become a lamb. Amen. Surrender to his will. The bride will do only his will. She has thus saith the Lord. Why? She's a lamb. She submitted to him. And because she was a lamb, then the dove comes upon her, filling her, empowering her, setting her forth into a ministry. The rise of sons. And tag, you're it. We're not waiting on another generation. You have arrived. Now you are the sons of God. Finally. Finally. After 2,000 years of waiting, the church has grown up to sonship. Sons are appearing on the scene. Watch out, devil. Brother Branham saw you coming in the wisdom versus faith. He said, watch out, Satan. Here she comes. She knows who she is. She knows what he wants done with this word. She's a material-like lady. When she rises up, devils tremble. When she commands him to leave, he's got to flee. Whatever she asks in his name. It happens. In her power is binding and loosing. Because on earth, Christ is here in bride form. And soon, soon the lamb will take his bride to be ever at his side. And all the host of heaven will assemble be. Oh, it will be a glorious sight. All the saints in spotless white. And with Jesus we will feast eternally. So come and dine. The master calleth come and dine. You may feast at Jesus' table all the time. He who fed the multitude turned the water into wine. To the hungry calleth now. Come and dine. Yes, come and dine. The master calleth. Come and dine. You may feast at Jesus' table all the time. And you fed the multitude. Turn the water into wine. To the hungry calleth now. Come and dine. Soon the lamb, soon the lamb will take his bride. To be ever at his side. All those All the saints in spotless light, and with Jesus we will be eternally. Oh, come and die, the master calling, come and die.
Wrong. 
that you may take. I think it's Amen. If you haven't taken, amen, that road, amen, turn your eyes to Jesus, giving your all to Him. Amen. I pray that you'll do that this morning. We have a prayer request that was turned in from Sister Barbara, received a little bit later. She said to remember her as she's having pain in the hip where she had a replacement and she has to go back to the doctor to have that checked and ask that the congregation would remember her. Amen. I'm going to sing that first verse and maybe ask Brother Derek if he'd come help me and pray over this request and close the service in prayer. Amen. There are two roads you may take one by side and one by faith. Take the word of God. Amen. Are you ready to do that today? Oh, what you believe is what will be. We'll set your wings to the winds of faith.
hearts, we close our eyes. Father, we're holding that need before you this morning. Lord, there might be a mountain that's out before us that just seems completely insurmountable, Lord. But God, you've given us a faith. You've given us a word in this season. Lord, that positionally places us, calls us back, Lord, to being the sons of God. Lord, a time where everything was in our domain was under our feet. Lord, we're coming back to speaking condition, coming back to a place where that mountain that seems so high is not so high anymore. For we're in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, but that mountain's in its place. It's there for our perfection. It's there for building our character. We take it in stride now. Lord, help us to take that word that we heard this morning. Lord, may it become a fabric of our being. May it become a fabric of our conversation. Lord, the way that we look at things, may they not be the same as they were yesterday. Lord, may we look at them the way that you see them. Lord, we each want to come to our place in the body of Christ, that mystical body. Lord, even those that are Struggling with sickness in their bodies, a hip replacement, Lord, that seems to not just be in its right condition. Lord, give us faith that rises in our hearts. Lord, that we'll be able to stand and take your word that says, by your stripes, I'm healed. Lord, give us that faith within our hearts that would look beyond the things of this flesh that we would struggle with so lightly. May we step out in faith, believing, Lord, that you're the one that stands upon the troubled waters, bidding us to come, that you've made a way for us to stand beside you. We love you, Lord, with all of our hearts. We love the people, Lord, and this congregation, those that have connected by way of the Internet this morning. Lord, they've drawn strength from the word that you've ministered through our pastor, through Brother Tim. Love the men of God that you've placed around us, Brother Joe and Brother Aaron, Brother Timothy, faithful ministers of the gospel. Pray that you go with this little congregation today. The weather may be troubling outside, but we pray that you keep us safe upon the roads. Bring us back at the appointed time that we pray. Lord, we'll give you all the praise and all the glory. Let's do your wonderful name. In Jesus' name. the eagle is fly. It does not struggle. It does not strive. Amen. Aren't you thankful that power is within you this morning? The power that makes him rise. It is Set your wheel.